the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I am the minister here at the North Valley Church of Christ up here in Cave Creek, Arizona. Uh, if you want to know more about our uh, congregation here, our little congregation here, you can, uh, or we encourage you to take a look at our website. You can find that at www.nvcoc.net. And uh, on that website, you can uh, learn a lot about the congregation here, the work that we do, uh, what we believe about concerning the Word of God being our only creed, just the Word and nothing else. We strive to know what God's mind and heart is, and we know the only place to find that is in His inherent Word, inspired Word. And so that's what we follow. We do our best. We are human, so we are fallible, and we know and recognize this, but we do strive in the light, and we do our best. We are all students of the Word here, open to know, wanting to know what God's Word and truth is. And if you're ever wanting to just study God's Word and just to know His Word, and simply just worship God and not add anything else to it, you can more than welcome to come and, uh, come and share uh uh, your time with us here and uh, see uh, what we do and talk with us. We'd love to uh, talk to you about it as well. Also on the website, you'll notice on the very front page, you'll see a little radio mic. If you click on that, it'll take you to our website for the radio page. It's a, it's a SoundCloud where we post all the uh, um, uh, episodes of this radio show there on the SoundCloud. But I also put all the lessons I preach on Sunday morning and Sunday night there as well. And so you can uh, listen to not only... to this episode there, usually the day after, but also to all of our previous lessons that we may have done here on the show. And so I encourage you to do that. And you can comment on the shows. I'd love to hear the, your thoughts and comments on these, whether they're good or bad. Uh, post those up there. Let me hear your thoughts. Uh, any questions you might have, we'll be more than willing to answer those here on the program as well. Um, a couple of other things by way of announcements, kind of. Um, Coming up here in November, November 5th, 6th, and the 7th, that's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday in November, uh, really it's just Thursday and Friday, we're going to have what's called the Tackling the Text Workshop. This is our third year of doing this workshop. Brother Guy Orbison Jr. from Durango, Colorado will be coming down to uh, uh, teach us uh, the book Romans, just chapters 1 through 8. We'll do the other half next year since it is a large book. And we start Thursday uh, evening about 5.30 is when it's going to begin, or it will be when dinner begins. And then we'll uh, start working through the book, and then all day Friday. It'll end Friday night, but if you need to stay overnight for one more time, you can stay until uh, Saturday morning and leave then. And this is up in Prescott, Arizona at the Copper Basin Bible Camp. 
Now, the great thing about this workshop is, is that it is an, it's an expository workshop, that is. We'll be working through the sections within their context. And Brother Guy Orbison always presents a notebook along with his uh, teaching. So it's just going to be chapters 1 through 8 of Romans. And there's going to be a little over 100 pages, uh, 8.5 by 11 sheets, uh, that come along with that. So in a bind book format, it's going to be over 200 pages. And that's just for chapters 1 through 8. So it's, you're getting a full-sized commentary. You'll get to hear from the author and ask questions. He loves to get questions. We, we have free time and time in between the, the sessions where you can ask him questions. He's more than willing to hear those out and talk to you about that. And uh, it's a great learning experience for everybody. So I want to encourage you to be part of that. And you can learn more about that from the website www.tacklingthetext.com so you can go there you can register online and uh it's only 50 dollars that covers all your meals you get one notebook and a place to stay for only 50 bucks it's fantastic wonderful value so i encourage you to know uh take a look at that one of the things uh or you know one of the things i want to talk about this afternoon is the upcoming election now, I know a lot of people think it's uh, uh, wrong, or maybe they think it's just a, a, well, I don't know the right word to say, but some folks frown upon the idea of preachers or religious uh, speakers to talk about politics. Uh, uh, sometimes people will say, well, Chris, there's a separation of church and state. First off, that phrase is not even found in the Constitution or anywhere. That's just a made-up phrase that we've uh, we've put in there. There is no separation. In fact, if you really think about it logically, it is impossible to separate church and state. It's impossible. What, their, uh, what the forefathers were trying to get at with some of the things about uh, freedom from religion was that the state cannot mandate that you must go to this religion or we will only recognize this religion. The, the state can't regulate those things. That is, everyone's free to believe what they will and, it's not to, and the state's not to uh, impose on that. Now, here's, here's the thing, though. Some, but people will say, okay, that's fine, but you can't bring your religion into government. I've even heard some politicians make those statements that, uh, that, you know, God is a very important in my life, but I will not use God in making my decisions as president of the United States. Or That's a paraphrase, but in essence, that's what they were saying. Well, that's crazy. That, that tells me you don't really have convictions there, that what you believe in, you don't practice. Now, listen to that. Whatever you believe in, you don't practice. And if God is important in your life, and you believe in him, you say, and yet you, don't pr- you won't practice those things as commander-in-chief, then why in the world should I believe that whatever you tell me you're going to practice while you're in office, you're going to do that? I mean, you're not even going to do what God tells you. <laughs> so your credibility with me has just gone out the window. It is impossible to separate those things. Because whatever you believe, that should be what you practice. It should be what's in your heart. And if it's in your heart, it filters out through your entire life, does it not? And so let's think about these things. As Christians, you've got uh, a lot of things coming up over the next year. Um, about getting close to this time next year, we'll be right up on the, the time to, to vote for a new president of the United States. And it is important, I think, for Christians to vote. It is important. And because when we look out there and we see all that's going on, 
whoever we put into office will change, or has the ability, I should say, has the ability to change the course of the country, the mindset of the country. I think that is very true. We can see that happening throughout the Old Testament, where kings would uh, come into power, and whatever they did, you kind of see people follow them, that the whole country just goes along the way with them. If it's a good king, Israel does well. If it's a bad king, Israel did poorly. I think the same is true for America. Uh, if we put in a bad president, we're going to do poorly. We're going to keep on in that direction we're heading right now. If we put in a good president, it'll take uh, who is strong and is willing to make sacrifices for themselves and others, as a uh, leader is supposed to do, it can push us in the right direction. Will it hurt? Oh, it will. Nothing, it's never easy to move things back in the right way. Sometimes you have to tear things down. Like the altars that, that the uh, kings of old would have to tear down because... Uh, people were trying to sacrifice or wanting to sacrifice the idols, and he had to tear those things down, change the culture. And so some folks think that, well, Chris, that's just not right. We shouldn't be doing that. Uh, we, we have uh, uh, everyone has their personal faith, and they need to just keep it to themselves and uh, not take those sort of things into politics. Well, we don't see that teaching in the Bible. And um, some people will try to turn to places like uh, Romans chapter 14 and say, well, you know, you have your personal faith, Chris. You have some people who believe it's okay to eat meat, some people who believe it's not okay to eat meat. Each person needs to go with what they believe. And if they don't, well, that's a sin to them and not to the other. We shouldn't be binding those things upon others. And whatever our uh, political views are, well, those are our personal views. And we shouldn't be binding upon others uh, what they should or should not teach. And you shouldn't be preaching those sort of things from the pulpit. Well, first off, I don't preach politics from the pulpit. Whenever I'm teaching on Sunday morning, uh, whether it be the class or the sermon or Sunday night or even Wednesday night's Bible study, I don't preach on politics. What I do, though, is I say, here's what the Bible says. And if you're going to do what God says, you need to look for people who go along with what, guess what, God says. Now, we know what God teaches on homosexuality. God teaches that it is a sin to walk in that lifestyle. So when you vote for somebody, put them in the office, what are their views on that? Are they with God or are they against God on those, on these things? Or what about abortion? Who are we to say or to know uh, when life begins? Well, I want to tell you, I think that the Bible makes it pretty clear that life begins at conception. We see things like when... Um, Mary comes to talk to Elizabeth over in uh, the first few chapters of Matthew. Remember, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth is her uh, cousin. And she goes down there. To the, you know, Mary just found out she's pregnant uh, with the Lord, with Jesus. And Elizabeth has been pregnant for six months now. She goes there to talk to Elizabeth. And when Mary tells her all that had happened from the angel, the baby, when it heard these things, leaped in the womb. Oh, man, what does that tell you? And there's other places in Psalm that David makes it pretty clear that we were there. Our consciousness was there in the child, in the baby, the fetus, before it was born. It's true. I want to read you something. <clears throat> I have a list of statistics here. This comes from a, a, a magazine I get every once in a while. It's from Answers in Genesis, and the magazine just says 1-1. It's Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. Um, created the heavens and the earth. Anyway, uh, Ken Ham, I think, puts this together. He's a it's Just because I quote something doesn't necessarily mean 
that I believe or agree with everything this group or person thinks or writes. I, I also quote from commentaries. doesn't mean I believe everything, but I do believe that uh, Answers in Genesis has some good stuff, and so I'd like to read it every once in a while. You can find some good things there. And they have an article in this week's uh, Volume 22, Issue 10 magazine, and it's titled, Surprised, Shocked, Saddened, with question marks. And it starts off saying, if I told you the following, following statistics about a certain group of people, who would you guess I'm talking about? Here's the statistics. Over 40% say they are not born again. He's talking about born again Christians. More than likely, uh, I would think of baptized, but I, this is probably anybody who just believes in God. 35% declare the Bible has errors, or they don't know if the Bible has errors. Close to 90% attend or attended public schools. Over 45% say that Sunday school did not teach them to defend their faith. 45% say homosexual behavior is not a sin, or they don't know if it is a sin. 40% believe gay couples should be allowed to marry and have legal rights. 20% say there are books other than the Bible, that are inspired by God. 65% believe that if you are a good person, you will go to heaven. And then he uh, continues the article saying, Would you be surprised to learn that this nationwide research was conducted with people in their 20s? And would it shock you even more to discover that these same people regularly attend our churches today? At least... Three times a month. Interesting. I mean, can you believe that? Well, I can. What does that tell you? Now, this is a, a, a broad survey. It, it's uh, uh, hitting anybody, no matter what denomination or what they believe, as, as, far, as far as Christendom goes. Anyone who believes in the God of the Bible, and they apparently attend church at least three times a month, which is probably a, a, a good number nowadays, sad, but it's true. But look what they know. What they, uh, know. they believe it's not a sin, or most of them believe it's not a sin to be a homosexual. How can they think that? Did they not read the Bible? Well, even if they did read that part in Romans chapter 1, they think, that they think the Bible has some errors. And apparently they also think that there's other books out there inspired by God. How do they know that? Where do they get that from? It's unbelievable. What does that tell you? Folks, these these these, these Millennials, as they call this generation, are growing up with a very poor understanding and education in the Word of God. Who does that fall on? Now, a lot of people will say, well, that's the preacher's fault, or that's the elder's fault. It's not. It is not the preacher's fault. Now, they have some blame to go there. Yes, that's true. But ultimately, the number one fault lies with the parents. Moms and dads, not teaching their children, not uh, uh, let it, getting them in, into the Word of God and helping them to st how to study the Word of God. Now, notice that they also put in this survey that they attended public school regularly or did. Well, you may be wondering, well, why is that important? Well, public schools today do not teach children how to study. You may already know this. What they teach is, here's what you you know, you learn this, learn these things, memorize these things, and that's it. They never teach children how to study. That is, here, go and find all the possibilities that are out there. Look at all of them, 
and then make an educated decision based on that. That's what you do. Just like with the Bible. You read it. If you get in a section in the Bible, at least what I do, remember I come to a section of the Bible where I'm, I'm stuck and I just can't figure out what the writer is trying to say. I think, well, I need, to pull, I need some help here. So I begin to pull out my commentaries. These are my helpers. And I read what Linsky says. I read what Baker says. I read what Hendrickson says and others. And then when I uh, gather all these po- opinions together, I look at them in the context of the Word of God. And I think, well, you know, which one fits best? Which one will help me come out with the right answer here? And I study it out. I look at it logically. I'm studying because I want to find the truth. Our kids don't know how to do that today. See, they think whatever you read, whatever you learn, that's it. Well, if it's on the website or if I can find it on Wikipedia, it's got to be right. It's got to be. But that's, that's wrong. You need to study it out. There isn't a one answer fits all uh, uh, way of looking at things. Just like when you're voting for whoever you want for president. It is impossible. You're not going to find the guy that fits your views perfectly, are you? I know I haven't. He doesn't exist. He's not out there. Unless I ran. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But I do look at every single one of them. I look at their records. I look at who they are. I'm looking at what they say compared to what I've seen them do. And then I look at the Word of God. I think, oh, how, how close is he? Is he going to really lead us in the right direction with a moral base based, uh, based upon the Word of God? Can they or will they do that? Or are they going to Shove that aside because, well, they don't want to offend anybody. Oh, I don't think that's right. Like the other day, uh, or a couple of, about a week or two ago, Ben Carson was being uh, chastised because he said he wouldn't vote for uh, somebody who was a Muslim to be president. And so they all started going after him. Why? Well, I wouldn't either. <laughs> you know why? I don't agree with what they think religiously. Not at all. And nor do I believe the, the Constitution of the United States. I don't believe that agrees with what they think. They have, it is, they're in absolute and total conflict together. Uh, I think Mitt Romney, uh, last time around, I, I didn't vote for him in the nomination process, but in the general election, I did vote for Mitt Romney. I don't mind saying that. But I don't agree with him religiously. I don't. He's a Mormon. I'm not a Mormon. I don't think they're right. They believe that there's another book out there inspired by God. I think they're wrong with that. I think he's got some good moral principles. I hope I would hope he would stick to, and I think he would have. I think he could have been good economically for the country. But ultimately, he would not be my first choice religiously for a president. I'm looking for somebody who's going to stick with the word of God. I'm looking for somebody with that strong moral-based code. Now, there's no one out there perfect, but I'm going to get as close as I can because I want this country to move in the right way, right direction. And so when I'm out there and I, and I talk to folks and I hear people say things like, well, you know, Chris, it's just your opinion. No, it's not. It's God's opinion. It's God's word. Not really his opinion. It's what he says. And in Romans chapter 14, he is talking about a personal conviction, personal faith in regards to the liberties we have in Christ. He's talking about brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And I'm talking about the faith, the the. Uh, uh, the doctrine of things that we follow of the Word of God, uh, found over in Jude, uh, verse 3, contend for the faith that was once handed down. Now, actually, let me turn over there and read this for you so we have a good understanding of the difference between, between the two. Over in Jude, verse 3, Jude writes, Beloved, 
While I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. Now notice uh, that part, it was once handed down to the saints. It's something external, isn't it? It's not a subjective faith that we have on the inside. It's objective. That being, it's something that we have. It's been handed to us. The faith was handed to us. And he's talking about the word of God revealed. Now, they didn't have the written word complete yet, but they were receiving it from the apostles and others. And eventually the Bible will be put together. That's what we have today. And this is it. It's been handed down once for all. This is it. This is the pattern that we are to follow. And so I look for any who are out there who uh, believe similarly or close to it at least to what I do. Because I believe in God. I am a Christian. It's in my heart. Therefore, it, it really directs everything in my life. It filters into everything in my life. I don't compartmentalize my life where, well, when I'm at home, I'm just the husband. I'm not necessarily a Christian. And when I'm here on Sunday morning, then I'm a Christian. And when I go to work, well, then I'm I'm an employee. And when I am in politics, well, then I'm, an, I'm this or that, whatever it might be, a Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, whatever. No. No, I'm a Christian. When I'm at home, guess what? I'm a Christian. And I'm acting on my role of husband. When I'm at uh, Sunday worship, I am a Christian, and I'm acting on the role of Christian, that being I'm worshiping God on Sundays as commanded. Monday morning, guess what? When I wake up, I'm a Christian. I may be an American, but I'm a Christian first, and I go to work as a Christian. And when I go to the polls, and I go to pull that lever or push that button nowadays, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying I'm a Christian, and I'm looking for those who believe like I do. I'm a Christian. Are you? And if you really are a Christian, do you know the Word of God? Or do you find yourself in part of this uh, survey where you say you believe, but you don't have the actions that back it up? Do you know what that is? If you say you believe, or you say you have faith, but you don't, your actions are not in congruence with the Word of God, you have the exact same faith that James talks about for us over in James chapter 1. And James is talking about a dead faith. I'm sorry, James chapter 2. He's talking about a dead faith. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. What he's saying is, there you can't have faith out there. You can say you believe in God, but if you don't actually do anything, if that faith doesn't lead you to do something, to change your life into obedience, it's a dead faith. It's dead. So if you're out there and you say, it's faith alone, and you don't have to do anything else, you are... And in violation to what James says. Because your faith should be causing you to do something. It changes your life. Your faith leads you to obedience. Obedience to the word of God. Whatever God tells you, you do that. And that makes it a working faith. It is working. Not that you earn your salvation. That's impossible. Salvation is grace. But faith leads you to do something. Just like Peter says in Acts chapter 2, when he's preaching to the people on the day of Pentecost, he's giving them all this evidence. Here's the evidence of what you see. This is pointing back to Joel chapter 2. Here's some more evidence about Jesus. He is the Christ, and he gives evidence and evidence and evidence. And then finally, it stirred up their faith to obedience. And they said, what must we do? And he told them, repent and be baptized. Each and every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Because the definition of that kind of faith, the saving faith that he's talking about there, comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction or evidence of things not seen. We have evidence. It's confident expectations that we will receive the promises of God. That's faith. That's saving faith. It's different from the faith in Jude 3, isn't it? The faith is something external that's given to us. That's the word of God. Saving faith is that which now I see the evidence and I believe, therefore I act because I believe. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, those who hear these words of mine and what? Acts on them. Acts on them. Faith that leads you to obedience. And my faith leads me 100%. And so whoever I vote for, my faith is going to lead me in that it's going to, I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to compare everything I know to the word of God. And I'm going to vote for the guy who I believe is going to be strong in the morals of the word of God. I'm looking for that. But I can only do that if I know the word. And if you're out there and you think that homosexuality is not a sin, you don't know the word. If you're out there and you think that the word of God is inherently er- not error, for, I shouldn't say inherently, but is a, got error or is not complete, well, you really not study the word of God. And I encourage you, come up here to North Valley. Uh, say, uh, come up on a Wednesday night during our Bible studies or Tuesday nights. I do an open Bible study where you can ask questions. And I won't condemn you or, or slam you or anything like that. But I'll answer your questions. I'll, you, you can grill me all you want. And I'll show you what the word of God says. I won't just say, this is what it is. I'll help lead you to it. I'll show you to the passage and say, what do you think it is? Let's look at the context. And we'll have a good discussion, as long as you have an open heart to truth. But if you come at me with an agenda, not willing to hear the truth, then don't bother. But if you really want to know, is this right or this wrong, and you're interested in what the Bible might actually say, won't you come join us? Every Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, here at the building, I have an open Bible study. Anybody can come, anybody. And I'm more than willing to have my, all my faith and all that I believe challenged because I am open to the truth. But I use the word of God as the standard. So if you have anything to say to me, make sure you got something to back it up from the word. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm a truth seeker. I'm looking for other truth seekers. And I want those kind of men and, and women with that kind of mindset to lead the country. That's what I'm looking for. And that's what I'm going to vote for. And I think every Christian should as well. Well, I appreciate you uh, spending your time to, to listen to this this morning. Hope it uh, helped you and give you some things to think about, to study about over the next year as we look for a new leader in our land. Think about these things. Pray about these things. And as always, let's thank our Lord Jesus Christ for giving us this opportunity. Bring the message out. Send up to sweep away till she'll done the better day. Bring it out, bring it out, bring it out, till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Bring it out, bring it out, bring it out. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.